Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back to the Cut to the Race News Roundup Show, the weekly show covering the news, views and opinions from the F1 world, brought to you by the Formula Nerds News Team. Jay and Charlotte are here once again. How are you guys? Good, mate. I'm good. I'm buzzing. I'm loving life. Yeah, super excited to be back. Looking forward to unpacking everything today. And we have a guest by the name of Andy. And just for a little bit of context here... I said that Bottas was definitely going to stay at Mercedes and therefore if Bottas doesn't stay at Mercedes, Andy can come on my podcast and laugh at me. But if Bottas left... Wait, what? You can't even remember the terms of a day. It, it, no, it, it was... You, you just wanted <laughs> me to guest on your you, podcast. You so, so you, you just gave them. a surefire you, way that I, I could be here to, to mock you, Dan. And, and so, you know, while this might not necessarily represent exactly how I feel, I am contractually obliged to do the following. So, Dan... For Bottas, now leaving Mercedes. Quick, quick question before we start: Is is Andy here for his sole purpose just to laugh at you? Or yes, is yeah, that is the only reason I'm here. Podcast? Okay, I could go on his podcast, Grand Prix podcast, available on all podcast platforms. If Bottas stayed at Mercedes, but he didn't, and then I went on his podcast anyway, just because I couldn't take yes. losing. Um, so now he's here and he's going to join us for the Dutch Grand Prix race review, the news and the Italian Grand Prix preview. There's a lot to talk about today, but let's start with the Dutch Grand Prix. It's all right. Could be better, could be worse. Do you know what I think, right? I think if that is going to be probably one of the worst races of the season, then that says a lot about how good 2021 has been as a season. Because if that's nearer the bottom end, we're sort of putting that... That probably was... What, the second worst race of the season after Monaco? Did you say? Yeah. yeah. Monaco's always the worst race of the season. Yeah, like always. Sorry. Always the worst. Um, I think it was better than Spain. Better than Spain? Oh, no, I like Spain. Yeah, Spain no. was good because of the strategy. I just think Mercedes got the strategy really, really wrong. I was surprised. I thought they would have kept um, brought us out again for the second round of pit stops. Just around having back up. And I know the first time we got actually blitzed by... Um, but Verstappen. Verstappen was literally past him on the bank corner. That's how early it was. So I'm surprised Mercedes didn't get it right. They're normally pretty sound with their strategy. But like I say, if, if, if that's one of the worst races of the season, then I think it says a lot about how good this season's been. We'd yeah. be grateful as Formula One fans. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, it's a track we can't overtake, which is probably why it's considered 
a pretty rubbish race. <laughs> Obviously, if I'm honest, the fans completely made that. Like, that atmosphere was insane. Never seen anything like it. Um, I, I'm intrigued if we are going back there next year. You know, if if, if you know if Max wins this year, the fans are going to lose it. So, yeah, it was great. Just no overtaking. Um, qualifying, obviously, was so important. So some people out of position, e.g. Perez, which is why, as um, Jay has written, actually a great feature on of why he shouldn't be driver of the day. Um, <laughs> little plug there for you, Jay. Thanks. So that caused a lot of controversy. <laughs> No, because yeah. I'm with Jay on this one because he only did all these overtakes because he was rubbish on Saturday. Like, and they had the best car on the grid. You know, Max showed exactly. their incredible pace. So, I mean, he still he still did some good moves. We have to admit that. But yeah, it wasn't the most exciting race, and I'm very excited for Monza. I no. so I was gonna say I agree with Charlotte that that atmosphere just looked insane. It made me feel like I wanted to be there. Looking into the crowd. And seeing that sea of orange, it felt like I was on a night out in Essex. It was crazy, and it was amazing. I'm really looking forward to going back there. <laughs> to be fair, can it we... being a dull race is a good reason why you should attend it, because you can get absolutely blathered the night before and then be nursing a hangover while the race is taking place and not worry so much about missing out. I'm just debating whether to put Jay's comment in or whether to edit it out. I don't oh, it's killed do. me. Have I just defended a whole county? <laughs> oh, yeah, you literally have. That's every listener in Essex is gone now. For God's sake, Jay. Both um, of them. To rewind, rewind very quickly. Uh, practice was quite dramatic. We had a red flag in every session. We had Seb's engine, Lewis's engine, and then Sainz crashed at turn three. Qualifying, Max got pole, Hamilton was second, Bottas was third. Fairly straightforward. Big block by Mazepin. Um, I I really need to actually put out a formal apology to our listeners um, about Antonio Giovinazzi because, you know, for a few weeks now I've been saying he's forgettable, I can't see him moving forward, will he get a seat? And he completely showed me up that weekend, P7 in qualifying, like that was incredible, that was so good, he completely blew me away, I felt really embarrassed, um, yeah, just want to say sorry. Charlotte broke one of the commandments, thou shalt not doubt Jesus. <laughs> yeah, did. I know. And now you're paying the price for it. I know. Oh, well. Jesus Jesus did Jesus did very well on Saturday. Not so much on Sunday, but we'll get to that. Um, biggest incident of qualifying, I think, was Mazepin completely blocking Seb in the most obvious way he could possibly block Seb, which uh, wasn't ideal, really, was it? Mazepin is Mazepin, and... Mazepin shall never change, I think, as Charlotte Clerk said. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of tension going on in that house garage at the moment. So, mm, we'll get on to that for Sunday as well. Yeah, it's it's not great, is it? They're not they're not they're not doing great. But um onto the race start. That went pretty smooth. Everyone got away fairly well, except George Russell, who nearly wiped out half the field at turn two or three. He's had a massive lock up and nearly went into Alonso doing a bottas. But Sounds he like did. Dan speaking in spite there, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no, he genuinely did. Proper salty, isn't he? It's <laughs> <laughs> just showing that he Russell can fill that role for, uh, for for Mercedes going forward. You know, just demonstrating for the yeah. new team owners. Yeah, true. Yeah, you know, at least Russell didn't hit any, hit anyone. I guess you know, Bottas did that, but uh, never mind, never mind. Um, Sebastian Vettel had a spin, nearly took out Valtteri Bottas when yeah. he spun on the hill. 
Can you actually imagine if Bottas retired because he just smashed into the side of Vettel? <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been a that'd have been a bit pretty controversial. Do you think do you think Mercedes would have made the announcement they had made? Spoiler alert! If if Bottas DNF'd on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. screw this, he's out. George, George, George DNF'd and they made it, so I guess they would have made it if... Uh... But I guess like for George, it's, it's good news, for Bottas it's bad news, so would they want to add bad news? Him that double whammy, him with a DNF and, mate, you've been sacked, or do you think they would have just gone, you know, we'll wait out till after Monza? No, I think they would have done it, to be honest. Well, Toto Wolf is heartless. Yeah, well, yeah, he is the Terminator himself. Um, there was a bit of confusion between Lance Stroll and his race engineer as to what the pit confirm OK button was. Have you guys seen that on social media? Yeah, yeah Brad. Brad. <laughs> I um, pressed that Brad. I mean, I, I would have thought the OK button would have just said OK on it. No, than... but it does. It says OK and then next to it it says pit confirm and there's one other option. So it's obviously oh, so Brad it's... Joyce, Lance's race engineer, just having a howler. So can I just say, Brad Joyce is the most mundane person I think I've ever had the, I was going to say the pleasure of hearing, but I guess the displeasure of hearing, he just sounds so dull, doesn't he? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he's so monotone. And I mean, do you want to a race engineer? Like, you do something really, really good. You, you go on the outside of someone at turn eight at Istanbul, and he goes, great move. You don't want that. You want someone, you know, getting you up, getting into you. Well, it was when Lance got pole, and he goes, well done, Lance, that's um, P1. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's it's like so... he may as well have just said P18. I, mean, I know they can't get like really hyped. I know GP, um, Verstappen's engineer, he doesn't get overly hyped, or neither does Bono, but still, do you know what I mean? Like, show a bit of emotion. Sorry, sorry. Bring back Smedley. Bring back Rob Smedley. Yeah, that's what we Smedley. need. I do, like, I do miss Rob Smedley. Everyone misses Rob Smedley, even if they don't admit it. Everyone misses Rob Smedley. Um, finishing the whistle-stop tour of the Dutch Grand Prix, Valtteri Bottas, at the end of the race, went on a bit of a mad one, didn't he? That was iconic. I was living. I thought that was amazing. Because they were really like, OK, we've brought you in. You're on the soft tyres, which is an obvious choice for a fast lap kind of pit stop. And they're like, no, 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 you're not doing the fast lap. We're just brought you in for a safety even though yes he said about vibrations but nothing you know I think he could have got to the end of the race so he thought you know what I'm gonna push for the first two sectors got purple in both and then they were um James the head strategist was like hold the phone slow down can you stop this abort and Valter is like okay fine but it was still like a you know an fu kind of to them being like nah screw it and uh didn't he? he he did still set the fastest lap didn't he he did. Yeah, he yeah. did. He like, sent yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he basically just said, "Yeah, I'm just." How, how can you be joking around whilst doing 200 miles an hour on a racetrack? <laughs> how do you have no, the capacity to was, joke? I think around? he was bored because he'd had a really quiet race and he just yeah. wanted to actually push push the car a little bit. So I think he planned to back off. In fact, he probably crossed the finishing line and went crap as soon as his dash lit up purple. Because I don't think he meant to do it. To be fair, I'm um, pretty sure he he did back off. Like, if you look at his uh, throttle traces on the telemetry, he did back off before the line. But because the yeah. pace of the race was so slow, yeah, he lost he, one and he, a half he, he, he still literally obliterated the fastest lap, and then obviously Lewis obliterated it again. But yeah, um, oh, can you actually imagine if if Lewis didn't beat it, or there's like a yellow flag well, on the, the final thing. lap? He only or had if one Stappen, chance. Verstappen got a puncher, Silverstone 2020 vibes, and they messed it up because they pitted again. Anyway, it's all hypothetical. 
I mean, yeah, they they pitted Bottas to get him out of the way of Hamilton, so Hamilton can pit for the fastest lap, really, didn't they? That's what they did. But he was so far behind. Like, I don't think that it still would have been an issue, if you know what I mean. Like he, I think they they still didn't need to pit him. There was actually kind of no need because he well, was Bottas. far behind. Yeah. Well, I think what they were doing was they were worried that Perez might go for the fastest lap. And although Lewis had it, so Lewis had it at that point, if Perez did the fastest lap, they needed the gap so Lewis would have an opportunity to do it. So I think that's why they pitted Bottas to give that window for Lewis. And then he accidentally went fastest lap and Perez was in no position to do it anyway. So they made a rod for their back again, but it's not the first time we've seen Mercedes do that. Suck it. Sorry. <laughs> That's so true. Controversy. Mercedes going to Mercedes. That's all I'm going to say. It's true. It's true. Because as we know, I was going to say, sky is blue, water's wet, Bono, my tyres are gone. These are facts. (laughs) 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 Death taxes and no tyres. There you go. He got five laps in before he started complaining about his tyres. Five. No, but see, that's what I love about Hamilton. It's, it's the mind game. It's so much more than just, I'm going to beat you on track. It's, you know, like all the best athletes in history, they, they all play amazing mind games. You think like Muhammad Ali, he was amazing in the mind games. Usain Bolt, calm, composed on the starting blocks. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy just how much these people will go to to win. Look at Michael Schumacher. He was he was the master of, I was going to say a rude word then, he was the master of the mind games. But uh, Max doesn't have a live feed from what Lewis is saying. So he won't be hearing that. But I'm sure <laughs> GP. I'm sure GP no. saying, "Oh well, Lewis." Max is knew. She is like, "Is Lewis complaining?" And he's exactly. That's what it is. At this point, it's like, "Oh, there he goes again." Oh, it's the tires. Yeah. What do you reckon? Three laps before he goes faster. Yeah. But does he <laughs> Sorry, actually Did have? I just steal your point. That was my point. But does he actually <laughs> have time during the race to be cracking out this kind of banter? Because he was only, you know, three and a half, four seconds in front. It wasn't like a 20 second lead, like something so far ahead for him to be going, oh, is he complaining again? Like, I found... He was, he was fine. I just couldn't, I just couldn't work it out. It was, I loved the comment. But um, yeah, I just thought, really? <laughs> Max and Red Bull had this weekend in hand and I, I think although it was nice that they were actually pushing unlike the first couple of laps Max didn't have anything to worry about and he was just like yeah this is cool if he starts going faster I go faster the only time there was even a moment where you go "Ooh, this could get interesting is when he came up to Bottas and that lasted what half a lap that was a feeble attempt by Bottas no it was three laps see this is what I mean you're right you call it a feeble attempt but you don't take into account that Bottas's tyres were so so old by that point what was they he meant sure, to do but I, have to, I have to look at it and think if that was Max or that he did was well he, three laps he held Max up allowed Lewis to close right up and then he let Lewis pass he did and now, what about Visto he could what if it was Alonso mm. and Alonso didn't want you to get by I have to say I do think Bottas bottled it a bit like he tries so hard to defend and then he's like, oh, it makes a mistake and then Max did, got by. He allowed Lewis to close up. He did perfect. He did. He, I mean, he did all right, but I have to think of it. And, mm. and this is my thing with Bottas because he's been at Merck for, what, five years now. He's never quite been in that in that bracket of of the elite drivers. You know, you've got your, your Alonzos, your Hamiltons, your Schumacher. He's, he, he, he's never just had that... What is it? That, 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 that just that that room, that... What the French that, say, that mean I don't streak. know what. Yeah, as the French say, I don't know what. 
Yeah, he, he, he hasn't got that in him, that, you know, that, that killer instinct, that's what I'm looking for, that killer instinct in him that the others have. And I think that's what separates the good drivers from the very, very good drivers. Right, moving on. Um, <laughs> to run through the race result quickly, Verstappen won from Hamilton and Bottas. Gasly P4, that's a solid drive. What a boy, what a beautiful man. I love him so much. He's so good. He's actually so good. I, I, he needs to get out. He needs to get out, but I'll get onto that later. Charles Leclerc P5. Decent, decent. Alonso P6, Sainz P7. Perez P8. He made up some places from qualifying, but you can't call that a good weekend for Sergio, can you? Surely not. No, not at all. I know we said, I know this was earlier, but you said about my driver of the day article. Go read it on fullness.com. It's really good. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I just want to say, because this is in the article as well, a man who wins driver of the day cannot be lapped by their teammate. How can they be lapped by their teammate when driving? I agree. The day? I, mean, I know Zandvoort's a short track. My driver there was either Gasly or Alonso. Alonso was really good, by the way, as well. Okay. Got past signs right at the end. But this is the thing. I'm going to pay devil's advocate. He was obviously voted driver of the day because he was the one who did the most on-track action. He did the most overtakes, and that is what the fans will like most remember. Whereas we didn't really see Alonso. We didn't see Gasly. Gasly was just kind of going round, if you want to say. So, from a fan point of view, from the televised action, all we could see is Perez. And yes, once again, he has the he had the best car out there, so he should be able to do those overtakes. But it is a tricky track to overtake, and you know he did well in that, if you want to say. Why was there no interview with the driver of the day in the car? That's very I true. I just realised that. Probably because it was just the Orange well, Army and probably Max they realised that he didn't what's deserve the point? it. <laughs> yeah, well, right, maybe, Jay. maybe the scam. Man. <laughs> the thing is, it's, actually, it's not just scam because this has happened twice before. It happened in in Bahrain in the first week of the season. I mean, to be fair, he's done all right now. I give him the benefit of the doubt because it, it was his Red Bull debut. But when Charles Leclerc done it, when he I smashed into Gasly, I knew uh, you could say that. Smashed into Gasly, overtook a few people. And it was a very good Ferrari car, and everyone's going crazy for him. It's don't call it driver of the day. Call it best overtaker. Call it. I don't know, entertainment of the day. But driver of the day, it needs to be changed. Ran over. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, Esteban Ocon, P9. Lando Norris, P10. That's weak for Lando. Difficult day for McLaren. I, I did actually speak to Andreas Seidel uh, after the race, and he wasn't too happy. He seemed like... Sorry, I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, but sorry. Flexing. <laughs> Humble flex brag there. Yeah. little flex there for you guys, you know. Speak to me and Andreas, team yeah, boss. We tight, we tight. Yeah, man, we go way back, me and Andreas. Um, no, I expected him, he wasn't too happy with the pace uh, with the McLaren. I think they were a bit perplexed about why they were so slow this weekend. But in general, I think Lando did well considering he went longer on the tyre because he was on the medium to start with compared to Daniel on the softs. So he did well to kind of make a few places, but then obviously Perez got him and... Yeah, just couldn't do that much. I think he said he was catching up to Ocon um, towards the end, but obviously ran out of laps. They they did throw Ricardo under the bus, didn't they? They they made him back up just so Lando could catch up to the field and then they obviously swapped him around. Yeah, but I think mm. Daniel was just struggling, though, compared to Lando. If he had clean air and things, I think he had a bit more pace. I think that was the only reason, because I didn't even mm. think they were going to switch them around. And then I just noticed on the times and uh, the positions on track, I was like, oh, Lando's in front. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Favouritism at McLaren. Um, Danny Rick, P11, Lance Stroll, P12. 
who's this? Oh, Sebastian Vettel, P13. I couldn't read my own writing there. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel, P13, had that spin, as we mentioned. Giovinazzi, P14. Oh, I'm gutted for him. I would have actually loved to see him get some points this weekend. He only got, he's only got one point all season, which is kind of crazy to think, because he's actually pretty handy. But I don't know, I feel like we're seeing the beginning of the end for Jesus. It's, it's, it's feeling like Good Friday. Yeah. So yeah, just going back on my comments earlier, apologies for the Saturday performance of Joe Vinazzi, but yeah, I'm not apologising for Sunday, soz. I feel a puncture. Yeah, he had a puncture, he did have a puncture, so... Yeah, but he still lost we, all we, those places on the opening lap. We can't really get him too much. On the opening lap. He's in an alpha. What do you expect? He did well, I think. Yeah, uh, P15, Robert Kubica, standing in for he, Kimi Raikkonen. He'd he done pretty good to Robert Kubica. That was he, pretty he solid. Latifi. Yeah, no, that was a solid, solid race. Um, P16 in 17, Latifi and Russell. Russell technically retired, but he still finished ahead of Mick Schumacher, who was P18. Uh, poor weekend from Williams as well. I said they'd have a poor weekend. Prediction came true. I think it's the wind. The wind, yeah. It's, it's right by the beach, isn't it, Zandvoort? So it probably does make sense. Yeah. Mick Schumacher, P18, and then Yuki Sonoda and Nikita Mazepin both retired from the race. Just a quick one on the Haas boys. Um, there was a lot of tension after the race, especially from Mick Schumacher, who was very angry at Mazepin from that overtake from uh, the opening lap. I think Mazepin got past Schumacher. Um, I can't remember what turn. Was it the S bit? I can't remember. And then um, he was trying to get back on the straight and Mazepin kind of closed the door, almost shoving him into the... Uh, pit wall kind of thing that could have been a horrifying it accident. could have he been he went down the pit lane yeah it was proper bad to be fair and it was a bit because he proper jolted to the side really shoving Mick Schumacher almost into the wall so wasn't there contact though because Mick had to change his wing that's true there was front wing damage actually yeah did so... we see that on the TV feeds didn't see it on the TV but but he pitted and that's why he ended up about three laps down was because yeah. of contact yeah. and I assume it was with um uh, car number nine. Funnily, funny how silent Gunter's been by this season, given how vocal he is in previous years about his two drivers. I guess Can't imagine getting, why. He's getting paid a big money dollar. That, yeah. He's getting paid a big dollar. <laughs> money, 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 money. But I was going to say, drive to survive this, this season is going to be when we get to the Gunter episode, goes, I have been asked to read the following statement. <laughs> both did good. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved in Russian yeah, politics because exactly. I'm really my life. Uh, I was going to say that <laughs> everyone. Mazepin's done this before, though, isn't he? He's done this for our F2 when he pushed... I can't remember who it was. It, it might have been Schumacher. It might have been Eilat. It was Yuki, he, I think. Was it Yuki? Oh, yeah, Yuki yeah. at um, Bahrain. Then they turned four and he just pushed him into the braking markers. Typical Mazepin. Was that the race when he also hit the... Um, uh, in part, Fermi hit the sign and yeah, he took Yuki out. Yeah, that would have been pretty crazy. Imagine if she injured someone in part, Fermi. Anyway, I digress. Part, Fermi was in Monza, but... Yeah, D's done too many bad things. Um, right, let's talk about the news. Oh, we're struggling, really. There's, there's no, yeah, no, nothing actually no happened this week. week. Yeah, nothing happened, Dan. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, how are we going to make a new show? Sorry. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Andy. You're okay, welcome. well, well let's talk it's... about it in chronological order. Let's not oh, get ahead of ourselves. I was going to say, sorry, then. It's so funny that... Alpha Tauri remain their driver pairing, isn't it? Is, 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 is that not the, the main news this week? Oh, that was first. No. Yes. No, no that wasn't no. first. No, Bottas to Alpha was oh, first. 
Bottas to Alpha was firm. Valtteri Bottas, my man, will race at Alfa Romeo in 2022 on a multi-year deal, finally, which turns out to be a three-year contract, according to him. I mean, I'm sad he's left Mercedes, but at least he has a multi-year deal. Hopefully, Alfa Romeo can do bits in the new regulations. I'm, I'm positive. They I'm, could be the fastest I'm feeling team this good. year, couldn't they? They could be the fastest team. Exactly. Um, Bottas world champion. I think for Bottas, it's probably the best of what he could have got. I mean, it was either them, Williams. Like, there, there was no midfield openings at all. Um, it was either that or it was going to go back to rallying, wasn't it? Or something crazy like that. Interestingly, so, though... Sorry, Jay, I'll just cut you off mm-hmm. before you finished. Um, but from what sort of Bottas and Mercedes are saying, I don't think it was entirely Mercedes' decision to get rid of him. I Bottas seems to be hinting along the lines of, there was the possible option, but I didn't want a one-year contract, so therefore I didn't. I don't really? think it was completely Mercedes going, he, get he out. He would have turned down a year with the best team or the, yeah. one of the best teams Apparently. in the grid. I mean, surely he said. your goal is to win. I mean, I'd... I, I don't get the vibe that Mercedes is, is a toxic atmosphere. Like, you know, Red Bull, when Ricardo left, you sort of got that vibe that it was all very much max, max, max. I mean, I know, I'm sure they do throw most of their resources behind Lewis, but I'm sure they do give Valtteri adequate support. So I'm surprised that if that's the case, why he'd want to leave a team who are capable of winning races and winning world championships to go to a team who have been languishing at the back of the grid for the last three or four years. It gives him a chance, though, to build a project around himself, to, to be in a position where, you know, if the regulation change mix things up as much as we're all hoping it will do, it puts him in a position where he can be leading that charge. If he'd done another year at Mercedes, the best he can hope for is the same as this year, really, isn't it? You know, maybe second in the championship, and then they'll sign George anyway, because, you know... Look, sorry, Dan, I, I, I know you love Bottas, but he's... He, as long as Lewis is in that car next to him, he's not winning the championship. It's just not happening. So I think he goes to Alfa Romeo, he builds a project around himself. He's in a much better position, you know, for the future. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I kind of second what everyone else has said, basically. I think it'll be quite good for him to see, like test him and actually see almost what he's made of in a way, you know, actually cut through the field because potentially say if they are in the same position they are this year they won't be at the front of the grid every race you know battling for pole and wins and things like that so he'll have to perform these overtakes and really push the car and I think we'll be able to see more of what he's made of so and I think for a multi-year deal like Dan said the other day I think that is actually really good for him and um, yeah I just think we've got to see what happens. Well and uh, he raced with uh, Vassure in was it Formula 2 was his team manager back there? Mm-hmm. GP3 GP3, GP3. Mm. Yeah, You skipped Formula 2 It's um, it's interesting because I think we'll get to see how good Bottas is I think it's very hard to compare him when you're, you're racing at Lewis Hamilton because literally everyone in, on this planet is going to look like a mere mortal to uh, to Lewis Hamilton so interesting to see because back, back in his Williams days where he was he was very very good he was constantly beating Massa so it'll be interesting to see against a new teammate whether that's going to be well who will it be whether he can, you know, get that Alfa Romeo into Q2 regularly, things that maybe Kimi and uh, Giovinazzi haven't been able to do. Okay, so Bottas has moved to Alfa Romeo, opened the door for George Russell to move to Mercedes, AMG, Petroness, Formula One team on a long-term deal. Oh, it happened. 
it happened and it was inevitable. And if anything, it was maybe a year too late, I think. But it's happened. George deserves it. I don't, I don't think you can sit here and say that George doesn't deserve it. No, I've said many times George deserves it. I can't okay. say he doesn't, but I just also yeah. think Bottas deserves it. But I'm happy for him at Alpha, so maybe bring back let free George cartoons. go to Mercedes. Yeah, no, he. it's good. I'm, I'm going to be very, very intrigued to see how that dynamic plays out, whether Russell's happy to play the supporting role to Hamilton, especially in the new era. Can Russell match Hamilton? Can Russell beat Hamilton? Can you imagine that? If Russell comes in and just makes that his team. Lewis is getting older though. He's gonna lose his touch as he as he ages. Well, that's what we think, but he's what, 36, 37, and he's lightning fast still. He's like I don't think I've ever seen Lewis Hamilton drive so well. Maybe maybe other than last year, where last year he was just insane. He's a he's a man at the peak of his powers. Yeah. Yeah. And Alonso's still going great guns. Mm. And- yeah. yeah. I'm just so excited about George going to Mercedes. And you know, Jay and I have been saying it for weeks. And it's finally come true. And yes, I just can't wait. I mean, the Sakir Grand Prix was a beautiful little insight into what he's capable of. You know, that seat didn't even fit him. I don't even, like, just everything wasn't right. He didn't know the car and he still was killing it. So just imagine when he's proper fitted into that Mercedes. And this time against Lewis, as Jay's already mentioned, because obviously he was replacing Lewis for the Sakir Grand Prix. So can't, I just can't, I just can't wait. I'm just so excited. It's a long time coming. Oh, yeah, great news. I think it's going to be really intriguing as well to see whether he fits into that Verstappen and the clerk bracket of these young drivers who are future world champions. Kind of Russell assert himself as, as one and put him in that sort of bracket where I guess Lando's kind of crept into there now recently, but where Leclerc and Verstappen have embedded themselves in recent years. I Do you think, think we might see 2007 in reverse? Oh, that's an interesting take. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if Russell will be quite on it as Hamilton was when he when he first joined McLaren. I don't know. If he'll. Well, I don't be... know. I mean, as you say, Sakiro, he's he's in a car which he doesn't even fit, and this one will fit him. This one will fit him. Do you know? See, I, I try not to look too much into Sakiro because, as as well as George Russell done, in terms of an F one circuit, it was very very easy to say at least I, I would have loved to see yeah. him against Bottas in Abu Dhabi where there was a few more corners um, and a bit more of a, a trickier layout to see just how he actually compared but yeah I mean I don't think he'll match Lewis right off the bat but I think it'll be I mean if, if Lewis on a two year deal I think it'd be the perfect sort of passing of the torch and I'm sure George will learn many many things from Hamilton I get the distinct impression that Lewis is looking at his future in more the the backroom side and the management side. And I think he's viewing uh, a legacy effectively. I think he's going to be viewing himself as a mentor to George. And as long as George respects him, I think we might have more of a Lewis Jensen relationship than Lewis Alonso. But either way, I'm excited to see what happens. I think George will respect him 100%. Like, it's Lewis Hamilton. Like... He, as you know, there's that picture going around when he was 11 years old trying to get his autograph. Like, I just, that's so cool, firstly. It's so cool. Now you're racing with him. Anyways, um, I think he, I just, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so excited. I'm actually speechless. I can't form words. Um, yeah, I'm going to stop. Don't worry. I mean, it'll be interesting because George has shown that he can have a bit of a hothead at Imola when, you know, he had the accident and then went balmy. 
So if, if you know, you never know. He could really not fit into this Mercedes dynamic very well. Mm, but see, what the difference is, or I think, is that Russell was entering Hamilton's team. I mean, when Hamilton went to McLaren back in 07, I think he very much made it a team of equal footing where it was Fernando's team and his team. And do I think Russell has that in him to command that level of, not respect, but admiration from the mechanics and everyone else, though he's on the equal footing to Lewis, who is probably the greatest of all time? I don't think so yet. But conversely, Lewis went to Mercedes, which was very much a Rosberg team in 2013. And absolutely mm. made it his team. He did. But then what, what had Rosberg done before that? He won, what, one race? Hamilton's won seven world championships. He's got more pole positions than the Red Hot did. Yes, but he hadn't done that in 2013, had he? <laughs> he hadn't. But see, he was on like mm. an equal, he was more successful than Rosberg when he entered the team. Whereas mm. Russell, I mean, he's got a few points to his name. I don't know he's been driving a Williams, but I don't know if he can just come in and make that his own team like. Hamilton did back in the day. But we'll see. I mean, I'm It'll just, be interesting. I'm, I'm just stirring it up because the last thing I want is a repeat of the Bottas-Lewis dynamic where it's just, you know, Lewis runs off into the distance and he's just got a obedient tail gunner. Want a little bit of friction. Want some excitement. I do think George will be able to push Hamilton because he's so hungry for this. You know, this has been a long time coming and I don't think he'll have it that easy. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of time to adjust to the car and obviously there's new regulation changes so that adds another dynamic to it. But I think with the youth versus more of like the, he's not old, but you know, <laughs> the age of experience. You're killing me here. <laughs> no, he's definitely not the experience, exactly. Um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Ham will have it, you know, he won't have it that easy. Dan, before you move on, I'll ask you one question. As a Bottas fan, so let's say next season, Mercedes are the team to beat again. They're the quickest car by a country mile. Do you think Russell will be able to get as close to Hamilton as Bottas has done? And by that, I mean, will Hamilton win the championship in the USA and Mexico? Or can Russell push him a bit more? Um, if Mercedes are totally dominant and Red Bull are out of the question. Yeah, if, if it's sort of like 2018 vibes. No, I reckon, it'll be, I reckon there, it'll be the same. Because Hamilton just finds a way. Like even in 2019, when Bottas was doing amazingly, Hamilton still found a way to win it in the US. A race which Bottas won as well. So, no, I, I can't see Russell posing a championship struggle in the first season. From then on, who knows, who knows. But before this Mercedes announcement came, Alpha Tauri tried to steal the limelight by announcing that Pierre and Yuki will continue into 2022. I mean, that's great for them with Pierre. Yuki's a bit of a gamble. I think that's that's what I was thinking. I know there's been some rumours coming out from Mr. Helmut Marco about um, whether they're going to keep Yuki. Do you know what? Right, I think I think it would have been unfair to get rid of Sonoda so quickly. He's so young. He's literally what he's twenty one, twenty two. So to get rid of Sonoda so early on, I mean, he's shown flashes of his of his talent. He just hasn't been consistent enough. So I think it'd be unfair not to give him another year. As for Gasly. It's frustrating for Gasly because I think he's outgrown that car. He's outperforming that car consistently. P4 again at Zandvoort. But where does he go? He's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And that gap is Alpha Tauri. Yeah, I think that's what we've said like in the previous podcast. Is just that there is nowhere kind of for Pierre to progress, especially Sergio Prez was announced to be joining Max again in Red Bull for the following year. 
So that was out of the question. Alpine were out of the question. So Alpha Tauri was the safest option. And obviously he is performing ridiculously well in that car. So it was a safe option. And I think after next year, he needs a different team or a progression because he is so much better than an Alpha Tauri. And as for Yuki, it's interesting because obviously last weekend he said it was 50-50. Um, but like Jay said, I think it was too soon to get rid of him. You know, he's not that bad. And I think he's part of Red Bull's plan for the future. They're looking into the long term with Yuki. So, yeah, I think it's interesting to see how he fits in next year after, you know, one year under his belt. So it's interesting with Yuki because obviously Honda are dropping out. There isn't that need anymore to have a Japanese driver. There's no sort of influence from that part of the world. So it'll be interesting to see after next year whether uh, Alpha Tari, they opt for maybe Liam Lawson or maybe another one of their junior drivers, uh, Jayan Daruvula. be interesting to see that one. Big competition in F2. It's true. Alpha Tari having a strong season this year. So if Yuki can improve, surely the only way is up for them next year. Uh, Nicholas Latifi is remaining at Williams. I'm glad. I think a lot of people kind of saw that one come in. But Alex Albon is moving to Williams for 2022. Uh, see, I hate to be that guy, but I'm worried no, you for don't. Albon. You love to be that guy. <laughs> I'm worried for Albon. I, if he gets beaten by Latifi, that is game over for Albon. Yeah, I think if he does, then it is game over. I, I was actually quite... I wasn't surprised, but I I wasn't a hundred percent certain whether Williams would keep Latifi because they don't need that financial back anymore with their new owner. So I wasn't too sure if they were going to just go a completely new driver lineup. But they've opted for him. Latifi's up his game recently, to be fair as well. But Albon, I don't know. It surprises me, obviously, because he's a Red Bull. He was a Red Bull driver until this announcement that Mercedes opted or didn't opt, but Williams opted to put a Red Bull driver in when obviously they're very close links to Mercedes. I thought. It would have been another man, who I'm sure we'll mention soon. But, <laughs> I mean, I think Albon did deserve another shot in F1. Um, the way the way he was dropped was unceremonious. So, I'm happy to see him back. And it'll be interesting to see how he does against Nicholas. I don't think it was unceremonious. He had a season to prove himself, and he didn't. No, but when you compare it to Gasly, Gasly struggled at Red Bull. Sorry, Charlotte's demanding. To <laughs> speak, it's okay, but... you can keep, keep going, keep going. I'll join in after. Okay, thank you. Um... Yeah, like Gasly, he went to Red Bull. I, mean, I know he got a bit longer. I mean, the album got a bit longer at uh, Red Bull compared to Gasly, but he did get in a chance at Alpha Tauri. I thought that's what they would do. I thought they'd send him to Alpha Tauri, send him back to develop. Look at Gasly now. Gasly's an amazing Frenchman. So it'll be interesting to see how he copes at Williams. Yeah, I'm just really happy that Albon's back in F1. As it's already been said, I don't think he was given enough of a chance, especially in that Red Bull against Max. Like, since Ricardo, no one's been able to match Max. And I just think for them to have completely dropped Albon from Formula One was unfair when, you know, his fellow rookie uh, friends, Lando Norris and George Russell, have still been able to keep improving and getting better. We've seen this year, both of them have been doing amazing. So I think it's amazing and really good that Albon's back. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he can do from further back in the field with Williams, if we're going by what's, you know, the last few years. But obviously, they have been doing better this year. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's a really good opportunity. And then that way, it's not a Red Bull programme and it gives him new avenues. Because I did think that they should have put him in the Alpha Tower with Gasly. That would have been so spicy if that was the case this year. Um, so, yeah, I'm very happy getting their album. 
Yeah, hundred percent. It, it's it's. Let's face it. Red Bull is there to service one thing and one thing alone. It's to ensure Max Verstappen becomes a world champion, and they will sacrifice every young driver in their driver program to ensure that that is the case. And we've seen that time and time again. I mean, that's why Ricardo left. Uh, they they make a car that Max can drive and drives well. And Max is a unique talent. And we don't really see this so much in Formula One, but in MotoGP, you see riders like Casey Stoner and Mark Marquez, you know, back of the day, Valentino Rossi, who could ride around bikes that no one else could ride. And Max is like that with the Red Bull. And the problem is because they don't have a cloning machine to make another Max Verstappen, and dear God, I'd hate that. But because they don't have that, they can't find someone who who matches them. And now we've got Sergio Perez, who I know me and Dan had a discussion about this on the Grand Prix podcast last week. But, you know, he, he's an established driver who has proven a good, solid point scorer. They've put him into that Red Bull and he's kind of been nowhere. And, you know, I, I think getting away from Red Bull has done every driver who's left Red Bull a world of good. I mean, I couldn't stand Sebastian Vettel between uh, 2010 and 2013, just his attitude. But ever since he left there, you know, it's, it's been a revelation and I love him. And I I expect, Albon will do great things as well. I gather they still have an option on him, though. Maybe it's Dibs if he leaves or something like that. But yeah, I think yeah. it is something like if you leave Williams, we get first first Dibs as so uh, first Dibs. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, this is something yeah. we, we were saying down the other day. It's as if Red Bull really wanted to put Albon into a car. They've got four seats. There's four seats there, and they ain't exactly. shy about dropping drivers in the middle of a season. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. I've no sympathy with Christian Horner at all saying that Toto Wolff shouldn't block it and we want Albon to stay with Red Bull but race at, race at Williams. I'm like, you've got four seats of your own. You just want to have those. I mean, yeah, let's be real. Christian Horner would never let a Mercedes driver race at AlphaTauri, really. No. So, you know what I mean? Not in a million comes years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He just loves to stir it. Sorry. He loves to stir the stuff. <laughs> Damn, that's extra editing for you there, mate. Damn it. Um, there's one seat left at Alfa Romeo, which seems to be the biggest the biggest talking point for the rest of the year now. Nick de Vries, Antonio Giovinazzi, Guan Yu Zhou or Callum Eilat or Turple Chair. Who's going to get that seat? Just very quick before Jay jumps in. I think we all know who Jay would like. <laughs> I think yeah. Turple Chair. Oh, okay, cool. Nice. No, Plot twist. Chair. I think it's a Nick de Vries, no? <laughs> But say I think he's going to say uh, what you got to say, and then I will input later. Well, for the second seat, I really am unsure. I do suspect it will be Antonio Giovinazzi, which you know what? I want him to get that seat so he can prove me wrong. You know, I want him to show that he is amazing. He can progress and he can, you know, I, I'm intrigued to see what he could do against Bottas as well, actually. That'd be interesting. But I would love Nick DeFries. I just don't think it's likely. Um, I don't know what's the deal with the Ferrari Mercedes engine thing, if anyone knows about that. Um, no? Okay. Um, and with Mercedes EQ team leaving Formula One, not Formula One, Formula E uh, in 2022, I think they would love to keep Nick DeFries then and then maybe that gives him the option for a seat. Uh, in Formula One the following year. So, honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But then maybe they could put a young talent in, like Terry Porcher. But I just don't know if it's too soon. So, yeah, not really a solid answer from me. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. Well, I mean, if we're going to weigh up 
all of the options, right? Look, I mean, I'd, look, I'll just say now, I would love to see Nick De Vries get a chance, but... No. Me, really? Yeah, what a surprise. But the oh. the thing for me is, is that I think his chance was at Williams because they're a Mercedes customer team, he's a, he's a Mercedes driver. I think that, that, that was where his chance lay. And uh, I don't know, looking at it, I, I feel like Mercedes have let him down. They've let him down big time because I think Toast Wolf could have easily got De Vries in that seat if he really wanted to. But I think he's let his man down there. I don't know why. I don't know whether they want to keep him in Formula E for another season. But De Vries is getting old now. He's going to be 27 this time next year. So is he going to. It's such, a, such an old age to get into Formula One. So I don't know. It's. It's nervous. It's it's not nervous. It's uh, it's it's worrying times for Devry, I think. And then when I look at the other options, Fred Vasseur, obviously the uh, principal at Alfa Romeo, he did say that they don't want a rookie, which does eliminate a lot of the options. So that eliminates probably Teo Porsche, that eliminates Callum Marlott, eliminates Guan Yu Zhou, eliminates Nick Devry, and it only really leaves two people: Nico Hulkenberg, who's a, very much a dark horse now, and do they just keep Giovinazzi? So there's that. And also that I'm pretty sure Ferrari control this seat. So I'd be very surprised I'd be very surprised if Joe gets in because Ferrari like that is part of their contractual obligation of having the uh, power unit. A bit like they control one seat at Haas, which is being occupied by Mitch Schumacher currently. They control it. So I can only realistically see in it being Giovinazzi again, Calamilot, or I mean Teo Porsche isn't even a Ferrari driver because he's a Sauber driver. So I mean I guess I can't, I can't really see it being anyone's than Giovinazzi. I think I heard somewhere that Ferrari now don't control that that seat. I'm sure I read that somewhere. But for for what it's worth, the media reports from the people at F1 seem to say that Guan Yu Zhou is the front runner for that seat, and I think that is one because of his talent, but two because he brings an awful lot of money. A lot of money, wasn't it? Like thirty million pounds, thirty million euros, oh. something crazy. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Gwen Yuzhou there. That does leave a big question for Oscar Piastri as to where does he go because he's currently leading the F2 championship, which is on this weekend at Monza. Um, but yeah, I'd say no one knows, do they? No one knows. It could be literally anyone. This seat is very secretive. Mm. John, I think this is, for the first time quite a while, there's so many names and so many good names as well, so many very talented drivers all going for one seat. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all pans out. Yeah, I think Andy, this who do you annou- want there? Oh, sorry, Charlotte. I'm sorry, I was just going to say, this announcement, I think, is the actual only announcement that will be the shock. Whereas, you know, we've... Well, Bottas, oh, we knew that. Russell, oh, okay. Even Albon, we were like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I really don't know. I feel bad for Callum lot though, I have to say. I do feel bad. I do think he deserves um, and deserves... He's forgotten, isn't he? Yeah, like, you know, he, he came runners-up in F2 last year and now I just think that's it he's missed the opportunity if he doesn't get it this year I don't know when he will well he, he's an IndyCar he's an IndyCar this weekend so maybe that's ah, a, a telltale sign of his future it's, it's crazy with Eilat because last year it was Giovinazzi or Eilat for the Alfa Romeo seat and he was the front runner and it seemed like he was just going to be the next man they put in he would replace Kimi if Kimi retired but now he's sort of just F1's forgotten man and doesn't look like there's any sort of future for him. Maybe he'll go down the DeVries route, go away for a couple of years and then re-emerge as a prospect. I don't think it'll be DeVries because from what I gather, Mercedes is still sponsoring the Formula E team next year. 
And I think they probably want to keep him in place there, maybe defend the champion, maybe defend the title. And as you say, he's getting on a little bit. So I don't think we'll do that. My tinfoil hat theory, though, if I was to doff my tinfoil hat, uh, I can see Mick Schumacher getting the seat because he's not happy at Haas. I don't think his people are happy with him at Haas. I don't really think Ferrari are particularly happy with him at Haas. And as we've all said, uh, uh, Daddy Mazepin uh, is, is controlling the checkbook over at Haas. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was to be put into that other seat. That's completely shocked me because I thought it's a done deal. Like even F1 posted 2022 driver lineup and it shows Mick Schumacher at Haas and Mazepin. So do you think mm-hmm. they would do like a little switcheroo? Like, oh no, he's gone there and someone else is now going house. It would be no stranger than when they swapped Gasly and Alpine around um, back at Red Bull back in the day. I, I know it's a little bit different because it's not yeah. entirely owned by the same people. But Mick Schumacher as a name, as a legacy, you know, has a lot of media attention, a lot of people focusing on him. And if it wasn't for the fact that his teammate was bankrolling the team, I could easily see that they'd have dropped him like a hot potato a long time ago. They can't do that, though. And since Mick Schumacher isn't a Haas driver, he's a Ferrari driver, I think Mm. Ferrari would be very interested to say, we want to develop that talent. We want to develop him in an environment where he, you know, can learn to work with a teammate because our view is to put him into a Ferrari in a few years. So, yeah, I'm just going to out of Haas and stick him in the Alfa Romeo. And it's one step closer to that Ferrari seat. He'd be in an Italian, well, it's a Swiss team, but, you know, it's an Italian mark. And I can see that being very popular across the uh, entire paddock. And let's not forget who is running Formula One right now. You've got Jean Todd in front, in charge of the FIA. You've got Steffi, uh, Dominicali in charge of Formula One management. You've got Ross Braun. If the powers that be would like to make that happen, you know, it takes three people to do a Bernie these days, but they will do a Bernie and that'll happen. So that's my tinfoil hat theory but it'll be Mick Schumacher in the uh, Alpha. I would and I don't care if he gets the hat. <laughs> it does say subject to confirmation on the F1 little tally chart of what drivers go and where as well, so you never know. I would love not even, that. Not even Mazepin's confirmed, but he probably will. Won't he he confirmed, confirmed, he? Because of his confirmed. bank, or his yep. dad's bank, to be more precise. Okay, let's finish off with a little preview to Monza, Temple of Speed, second of the sprint qualifyings. I'm excited for it. Do you know what? I think it'd be better at Silverstone. Better than Silverstone because Monza can overtake a bit easier. And Silverstone's a lot of a lot of fast sweepers, you know, modern F1 cars, dirty yeah, all of that malarkey we was here on a Sunday afternoon. It should be good. I feel there'll be a lot of slipstreaming. My only fear is do you do we just get massive DRS trains? down the main street and it all becomes a bit farcical and predictable a bit gimmicky that's what I hope I hope we do get to see some some close racing I'd actually love to see if one of the big boys or the the Mercs or the Red Bull cars has a bad qualifying on Friday night and a bit further than order and then it'll hopefully spice it up a little bit see if they can come back through the field yeah, I'm really looking forward to this sprint race. Um, like Jay said, I do think it will be better than Silverstone. And as well, I kind of, I still don't know how I feel about the sprint qualifyings. So I kind of want this one to see if it changes my mind of, or, you know, sways me to a certain opinion on it. Because I think it was good, but I also, I'm not sold. So I'm intrigued to see what happens. Obviously, some people benefited from it. So we'll see if that happens again. Um and yeah, I just hope there'll be some good action this weekend. 
compared to the Dutch Grand Prix? Well, Monza for me always gives you one of two races. It's either a mega exciting, I have no idea what's going to happen like we got last year, uh, or it's a little bit of a snooze fest. I'm kind of hoping we're more on the exciting side of things. And I think we might well get that. I'm still not sold on sprint qualifying, but I'm willing to give it a try. You know, this, you know, we're all young. It's time for experimentation. Let's see what happens. You know, we might enjoy it. Might be better this time around. Um, and see where we go from there. I think it was quite good last time around, wasn't it? It was a great race. Best race ever. <laughs> Sorry. Well, obviously the sprint race, it's just the qualifying. So it's not a race. Um, it'd be really good, actually, if a Ferrari was in the top three for the sprint qualifying, because just for the Tifosi, just putting that one out there. Well, it sorted of engines out finally, so there's a chance. And legally now, for a change. That's true. I was just about to say that without any bending of the rules. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. Uh, sorry, <laughs> yes, allegedly. As much, um, as much, um, I mentioned it earlier. Formula 2 is back this weekend. Gwen Yu versus Oscar Piastri, kind of versus Robert Schwartzman as well. Could be could be an interesting interesting weekend for them. Let's do some predictions. Shall we do some predictions? Repeating predictions? Let's do some predictions. Let's revisit our predictions from the Dutch Grand Prix. Sorry, Andy, you didn't make any. I did, um, but it's not on this podcast. That's true, yes, you <laughs> did, but not on this podcast. Um, I said that Lewis Hamilton would dominate the weekend and Williams would struggle. Hamilton mm. dominated the weekend. Uh, Hamilton didn't dominate the weekend. You said a grand slam. You said yeah. Hamilton grand slam. So yeah, don't, it don't, didn't happen. Yeah, don't back he, away from that. He got what one quarter didn't of the happen. grand slam. That was true. He did get a faster start. He got so faster start. You, you get a quarter of a point, Dan. I also well said Williams would struggle, but that wasn't part of the prediction. Uh, so, yeah. so I was no. I was right in that element. All right, Jay, what did you predict? Uh, I said that uh, they'd crash Hamilton and Verstappen, Silverstone esque. Uh, so you did also, I also said that Lance Stroll would DNF, but he, he didn't. So I got everything wrong, pretty much. <laughs> Charlotte? Um, so I said that um, Daniel Ricciardo would finish in P5, which, alas, that was also wrong. He finished P11. But we move. Not a good week for us. Not a good week for us at all. I don't think we've had one good week in fairness, Dan. No. We've, no. I don't well, think any of us have got one right. <laughs> we're making bold predictions. The bold. We have, they have to be bold. They can't be boring. It has to be bold. So we shouldn't get them right. And if we do, we're just good. Um, let's make one bold prediction for the Italian Grand Prix weekend. Who wants to kick it off? I'm going to go bold. I'll say Mick Schumacher in the points. Ooh, oh, hello. <laughs> that is bold. That is I'm that not sure if it will happen, but yeah. <laughs> well, you never know. If anything crazy happens, you know, last year it was mad. You know, people who were definitely, you know, not going to be in chant, I can't speak, in title contention for winning, e.g. Gasly, he he won. Lance Stroll was third. Carlos Sainz was second. Anything could happen. Good, it could. Charlotte, what are you going for? Uh, I don't know if this is bold enough for you guys, but I want to say a Ferrari in the top three. No, that was mine. <laughs> Damn it. Unlucky. <laughs> oh, now I've got to think of another one. Yay. If you say which, if you say which Ferrari, we'll give it to you. Really? Pick a driver. <sighs> Do I have to? Yes. Because I was, I, I was going Carlos Sainz, but now hey. you've stolen it. So, this is what I was maybe thinking. 
oh, I'm scared though, because I know now it's going to be the opposite driver and you won't give it to me. Just out of spite. Um, okay, I, I'm going to go with Charles Leclerc, top three. Oh! Okay. Oh, it's kidding me now. I was going to go for Carlos Sainz on the podium, but I, I now can't. So I think I'm going to go for Nicholas Latifi points. Is that bold enough? Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. That's pretty good. Okay, cool. I'm going to go for Nicholas Latifi points. Andy, you may as well make one while you're here. Oh, well, while I'm here and it will have no consequence on anything whatsoever, <laughs> uh, I will go with Robert Kubica points. Nice. Oh, I forgot he was racing. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah we missed that bit of news. Yes, he's back again this weekend in place of Kimi Raikkonen. <laughs> kind of forgot to mention that. Um, hope, I'm sad that Kimi misses his final Monza. Yeah, that's such Moving a shame. Ferrari connections. Oh well. Oh well. There's always. Oh, well. I, 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 there's always next year, but it's not next year. Yeah, it's not next year. This is this is a problem. <laughs> anyway, that is it for the Dutch Grand Prix review the news and the Italian Grand Prix preview. We're a bit too early today to bring you the press conference reaction, um, but one highlight quickly is that Seb and Charles are in a pair. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, a little throwback. little throwback for them. Lovely stuff. It is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, Andy, where can people find your podcast and what is it called if they want to listen to it? Oh, well, if you want to listen to me and Mr. Elton Ramble, uh, we, we are a lot swearier than you guys. And a lot less well-informed. But you can find us over at rogue2media.com or just search for the Grand Prix podcast. Yeah, it's it's basically just two hours of us rambling about any old nonsense to do with the race and, you know, winding up Dan. It's it's a hobby. It's true. Yeah, it's true. There's a bit of a theme here with with podcasts. Um, Charlotte and Jay, thank you very much. Oh, I said Charlotte and Jay. I never say Charlotte and Jay. I say Jay and Charlotte. Charlotte and Jay, thank you very much. (laughs) Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for putting me first that time. Put you first. <laughs> You're welcome. I've You're never welcome. noticed that. I never noticed. Neither, neither had I till I said it and I went, oh, that sounds wrong. Um, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan, for having us on again. Or having yeah. me on again. And thanks, Andy, for joining us too. It was great to have mm. you on. What insight. Oh, pleasure to meet you both. Yes. Much much fun was had and much mocking of Dan, which is... Never as again, we, I know, hope. Never again. Thing. <laughs> All right, we'll see everyone for the Italian Grand Prix review. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Podcast Network.